Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I've barely wrapped my head around Bitcoin, and now you tell me the government is getting into it? There's something called CBGBs or CBDCs? Is cash going away? Are you confused? Don't be. Let's help you know a little more about central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, are digital currencies issued by a government institution, usually a central bank, an alternative to, not a replacement for, an alternative to coins or printed money. They're sometimes called digital base money or digital fiat currency. Fiat currency is the name for the money most governments issue. A side note here, fiat means issued by order or decree in this instance. It doesn't refer to the car. The term fiat money arose to distinguish it from money backed by something like gold or silver. CBDCs are often compared to cryptocurrencies because they're digital, but that's kind of a confusing comparison because they have different aims. Cryptocurrencies are generally meant to be independent, often decentralized, where no one entity controls the servers the system runs on. Even when a cryptocurrency is centralized, it's generally meant to be independent of governmental institutions. And cryptocurrencies are often seen as an investment. CBDCs are no more or less of an investment than the country's fiat currency. CBDCs are also different from a particular kind of cryptocurrency called a stablecoin. Stablecoins are usually linked to a stable fiat currency so that the value doesn't fluctuate any more than the currency it's based on. Say, a stablecoin linked to the euro would always be worth one euro. These are closer to a CBDC, but they're not issued by the central bank. So when I think about government digital currency, I think about it less as a government form of cryptocurrency and more like a digital driver's license or a virtual transit pass. It's something the government creates in a digital form that is otherwise like the physical form. Most of the CBDCs in development don't use a blockchain or any kind of distributed ledger. In many ways, they're more like the money in your bank account than they are like Bitcoin. Except even though you only see your bank account money as a number on your bank's website or app, somewhere, allegedly, there's a stack of paper money representing the balances in that bank. With CBDCs, there would not be. The digital currency would be the paper currency, not just a digital record that paper currency existed. So if they aren't cryptocurrencies exactly, and they aren't necessarily using a blockchain, and they aren't even backed by paper money, what are they? How do they get off calling themselves money? Let's figure out how this works. 
Whatever system a central bank uses, a CBDC will rely on the consumer having a digital wallet. This will most often be done in software on a mobile device, but it could also be done in hardware, like on a smart card or some other kind of smart dongle. The wallet would authenticate the user in a robust way. This could be by PIN, password, biometrics. Most CBDCs in development think about using the FIDO Alliance passwordless strong authentication. See our episode on FIDO if you want more on how that works. Wallets would also need to authenticate parties in a transaction, whether sending or receiving currency. This could be done with a public and private key exchange. We have an episode on that if you want to know how that works too. But you'd have an exchange between two wallets or between the wallets and a central database, or both. A few central banks are considering using a distributed ledger like a blockchain, but that would still be centrally controlled, and it would include the security of the blockchain, but be an easy way to get a system running. However, it also introduces some unnecessary complexity. You don't need to avoid centralized control with a CBDC, and avoiding centralized control is one of the main aims of a blockchain. So most central bank digital currencies being developed use what's called a token-based system. Tokens are protected with strong encryption, so they can't be duplicated, kind of like Bitcoin does, and then recorded in a database under the control of the government, usually the central bank. The bank itself may run the database, or it may contract a private entity to do it for them. But the government is in charge, not the private entity. The database keeps a record of any entity, people, companies, government organizations, etc., that hold the digital currency. So you can have an account which tracks the balance in your CBDC wallet from which you could pay others or accept payments or deposits. There isn't one settled way to run a CBDC yet. That's why I can't explain, like, this is how it works. But one thing they all have in common is the need for strong cryptography to keep each unit of the currency from being copyable. If you hear our blockchain episode, that kind of gives you the idea. And as far as payments and transactions, there's a lot of security already built into the current system, like in point-of-sale units, that could be adapted for CBDCs out in the world. Now, all of this probably sounds like a lot of work, so why do it? Why not just keep the system we have now? It works, right? Well, CBDCs, like the blockchain-based cryptocurrencies that inspired them, would be way more efficient. Right now, when you pay someone using a bank or a credit card, there are dozens of entities involved in the transaction. The point-of-sale system, you know, the thing you swipe your credit card in or tap your phone on, talks to a credit authorization system, which communicates with a payment processor, which talks to a clearinghouse, which talks to a bank, and that's a major oversimplification. That's why money transfers can take up to three days. There's a lot of people involved in this process, and it's slow and inefficient. With a CBDC, there's one entity, the central bank, that does the transfer in real time from you to the person you're paying. That's it. That reduces the risk because you know immediately if the payment was successful. There's none of this, well, the payment looks successful, but then they didn't pay their credit card account, et cetera, et cetera. It makes accounting easier because you don't have a lot of stuff you're waiting to clear through the banking system, and it eliminates fees since there are no organizations in the middle taking a cut. And because your account or your wallet holds your actual digital currency, a run on a bank would not cause your money to be unavailable because the cash isn't in the vault. Another benefit is that CBDCs are often promoted as a solution for the unbanked, people without accounts. 
banks need to develop and maintain infrastructure to provide access to their financial system. That involves verifying identities, creating credit cards and debit cards, offering ATMs, etc. CBDCs could just be run on a phone with a connection to the CBDC database. There's your infrastructure. So instead of having to apply for a bank account, every citizen could get a wallet or account from the central bank through a phone. This could be done with an app, but as has been shown by systems like M-Pesa in Kenya, could also operate over text messaging. 89.9% of people own at least one mobile phone. That's 7.1 billion people. And even for those who don't have a phone or don't want to use their phone for CBDCs, cards similar to transit cards could be created to act as digital wallets for digital currency. And then there's a benefit that's also a downside, tracking. Every transaction is recorded, which helps governments collect taxes and combat crimes like money laundering. But that also means the government knows every transaction, making people uneasy, especially if they don't trust their government. Another downside with an upside is that CBDCs could take away a kind of revenue from banks, causing them to have to shift their business models. That's a downside for the banking industry, but possibly an upside for consumers who might benefit from increased banking competition to get you to use them for deposits and loans. They'd have to offer you new features to convince you versus now where you feel like you have to use some bank because your alternative is sticking your money in a mattress or burying it in a jar out back or something. And of course, the one main downside to CBDCs is centralized control. Bad actors within a government might be tempted to abuse their control to punish political opponents or activists by removing money or or removing access. More often though, and more likely, are the privacy and security issues faced by ISPs and current banks. The central bank would become a prime target for attackers looking to crack into the database and steal either money or information or both. Now, up till now, I've been describing what are called retail CBDCs, the money us regular folks use in everyday life. But there's also something called a wholesale CBDC. These would be used for payments between central banks or between any banks, You think the system is complicated for you buying that violet crumble at the Aldi. It's way more complicated for banks to exchange money across borders. CBDCs could be used to make it easier for banks to do cross-border transfers. In September, central banks in Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, and South Africa started testing a system to use CBDCs to make cross-border transactions cheaper and easier between those countries. And the Bank for International Settlements, which handles this issue for fiat currencies, is also exploring using CBDCs for cross-border payments with the central banks of China, Hong Kong, Thailand, and the UAE. So now we know kind of how they could work. And we know some big fancy international banking is testing them. When can I get a wallet? I mean, seriously, is any country actually doing this for its citizens? The answer is yes. And it's not El Salvador. You may have heard that El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as an official currency. That is not a central bank digital currency because it's not issued by a central bank. It's No different than if El Salvador decided Canadian tire bucks were now official currency. It's the government giving a currency they are not in control of the official blessing to pay for things with it. But it's not a central bank digital currency. The Bahamas get the credit for the first central bank digital currency. The sand dollar is the official digital version of the Bahamian dollar issued by the Central Bank of Bahamas in collaboration with MasterCard and IslandPay. It was officially deployed in October 2020. 
The Bahamas have 700 islands, so moving actual cash around the Bahamas is costly and time-consuming. You have to put it on boats and planes and stuff. The hope is that disbursements using the sand dollar will reduce the need to move actual paper notes by boat or otherwise. Five other Caribbean islands have followed suit, including St. Kitts and Nevis, Antigua and Barbuda, San Lucia, and Granada. China is also fairly well along in a central bank digital currency. China's the biggest country that has an active test of a working CBDC, the digital RMB for domestic use, and the digital yuan for international use. They have two currencies there in paper notes as well. It launched its test programs in 2020. China's CBDC exists on a phone or a digital card, and it does not need an active internet connection to make transactions, though it does need internet access to access accounts. Some of China's tests of its digital currency set expiration dates to encourage spending. They don't usually do that, though. And China replaces one unit of physical currency for every digital unit it releases, keeping the money supply the same. China's CBDCs are issued by the People's Bank of China to private banks that then disperse them to people. That keeps the private banks in the system. China has conducted multiple tests of CBDCs in many of its cities like Shanghai, Shenzhen, and Beijing, giving citizens free grants of small amounts to spend at a few participating test locations, including McDonald's, Subway, and Starbucks. The big test is expected to happen at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, which will feature a pilot program with a wide national and international footprint for the first time. And that's about it. While around 90% of government central banks are investigating or developing digital currencies, there aren't many who have launched them. For instance, MIT and the Boston Fed are undertaking Project Hamilton to research and eventually test a Fed coin for the U.S. The Bank of England has created a CBDC task force, and the EU launched a two-year investigation into a digital euro project. But none of them are coming anytime soon. So there you have it. Central bank digital currencies are something central banks around the world would someday like to issue as an alternative to paper notes and coins that you could hold and spend in digital cards or phone apps for easy, efficient spending and saving. In other words, I hope now you know a little more about CBDCs. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 